thing that I've learned, I think, for myself is on one insight that often it's important that, you know, obviously by example, you have to show that, you know, you would go the same way. I think your actions often are more important than what you communicate. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Speak Like a CEO. Yes, we are still recording remotely, but it's a beautiful sunny spring day and I'm here with Oliver Aust. Hi, Oliver. Hi, Lena. How are you? Our guest today is Pascal Blum. Pascal is the co-founder and CEO of Unu Motors. Unu Motors is one of the groundbreaking companies in the space of e-mobility. We'd love to hear more from him. Hi, Pascal. Hey, Oliver. Hey, Lena. So I moved to Berlin about five years ago, and I actually remember one of the very first startup events I went to, Unu Motors, I think was sponsoring or had just come out to show us. And it was so groundbreaking at the time. The scooter is so beautiful, so slick, and has so many special things about it. Could you tell us a little bit about Unu Motors and how it all got started? Sure. That was five years ago. Actually, the company is even a bit older. Um, so we started in 2013, seven years ago. The idea came to us while we were living in some of the big mega cities in, in Asia, uh, in Beijing and Shanghai in particular. Um, and there we really experienced like the vast, you know, problems and challenges of urban mobility, like air pollution, traffic jams, complicated public transport. But also we, we then experienced, you know, lightweight electric vehicles and how they can be an opportunity to connect people with their cities. So once I, for example, bought my first second-hand electric scooter in, in, in Beijing. It was completely a game-changer for my life there because I was just able to do so many more things every day. And I was just much more independent from anything else. And so it really probably improved my life quality more than any other product, even though it was technically a really, let's say, bad design product that really got us thinking, like, how how can smarter and, you know, greener and better vehicles and mobility solutions um, can have an impact on, on people in cities? Because we live in, in, you know, cities that have such great opportunities and you can meet so many great people and be at so many great events and, and venues and, and locations. Um, and so this really got us going and, and starting the company um, in 2013. And I mean, the scooter is a great idea, but it's also a very crowded space, isn't it? So e-scooters, um, we see quite a lot of them. How do you differentiate yourself from all the other offers out there? Obviously, mobility is a, is a huge market. Um, uh, everyone, you know, has the basic need to, to move. And so there's a lot of different opportunities and also there's a lot of, let's say, innovation, especially in the recent years. So I think the, the entire market also is, you know, everyone is expecting that mobility is changing more right now in the next, you know, five, 10 years than it probably has done in the last 50 years. And so so the way we approach it is really that on the one hand side, we really focus on the user and, and really try to create like the best mobility solution for them. And so far, at least based on the, the current technology, we really saw that in cities, you know, electric scooters or mopeds seem to be one of the best options um, for most people because they provide you the speed or even higher speeds um, to get from A to B than car, for example, because you can bypass traffic, you can still go, you know, 50 kilometers per hour, but you don't have to look for parking space. So you can really, you know, park anywhere like, a, like a, with a bicycle. And at the same time, if they are electric, you know, they're completely emission-free and noise-free. Super, let's say, fun also to drive. And last but not least, since we put a lot of emphasis on, you know, great user experience and design, we come up with a lot of, you know, new new solutions to make it even easier than any petrol competitor, for example. So we were, for example, the first ones that designed a portable battery concept for an electric scooter. Uh, so you can charge your, your battery just in your apartment or in your 
uh, office at any outlet like your smartphone and thereby make it super easy you know to switch to go to electric that's really cool i mean that's such a great idea also so simple why has no one else done it i have to say it was just very lucky timing i think that we had that that we started this this company at the time when e-bikes already got into the mass market and so there was a lot of battery innovation in the e-bike segment but those batteries were obviously much smaller and lighter and and, and less powerful than the ones that you would require to have for a scooter but it was just the time where the technology was able to make the you know the leap and would provide you sufficient range for for your everyday ride in a scooter with with a lot of power so in our case what we saw really early on is that customers in the city for them the emotional or let's say the the, the psychological barrier to get into such a product is that you get 50 kilometers range per, per charge and some others even you know with 100 and so we designed two batteries for each scooter so you can have two batteries and each gives you 50 kilometers range. so it's more than enough for most people to drive you know three to four days through the city and if you're a heavy user you get a second battery and you can go up to 100 kilometers and it was just really the timing when this technology was able to, to get into the mice market i think we were lucky in the timing but also very determined you know on and focused on on this particular feature for example that we really developed also with very low let's say re, or little resources and small team and then we gained a lot of experience from our users to then design the new product that we just recently announced for me, one of the most compelling things about UNU is that you can see this day in the life segment. So you get to see how different people use their UNU scooter in an urban environment and kind of get this really feel for the lifestyle. How did you guys kind of pick your target audience and develop this, you know, kind of very hip, very cool, trendy appeal to the brand? We started this company really young i would say i mean we were at like 23 i think when we started it and um, all of us and so we really wanted to design a product that that we can see ourselves you know using and there were already electric scooters that were launched before us that had worse technology no portable batteries usually much more expensive we also really saw that they are not designed and they are not marketed in the right way so they're really you know positioned maybe purely in a green color um, space the the way we approach it is we said like look you know when you want to have your own product your own scooter for example um, it's really fashion and and other products that you buy that are really emotional and they're expression of your personality and so you know these products they have to be beautifully designed so that you're really amazed every day and they have to be also positioned and marketed in the in the right way and here our approach is really to focus on the communicational side on urban creatives so people that really make a difference in the city and and uh, we see that a lot of people in the city kind of get inspired by those people um, and so therefore we really you know kind of celebrate people that that make an impact of this on their city and that that can be a role model for others and um, to improve the way people live in cities your communication strategy marketing strategy your product strategy are all based on emotional appeal rather than rationally convincing people of the advantages of e-mobility or individual mobility in, in cities i think that's a good approach because a lot of the mobility providers are quite rational and they're trying to convince people to choose their options but mobility like any other product product is, is pretty emotional i mean you just have to look at cars, right? Where did you get the idea? I mean, are you emulating companies like Apple? And how does it translate into day-to-day -day communication for you? Yeah, so, so I mean, we, we don't have one particular brand that we kind of try to copy or something like this. Actually, we came to this point because we looked at the market. And I think the, the car market, for example, is 
such a great example of where emotions are much more important than than rational behavior. Like, you know, the cars are nowadays, they are so similar, whether you buy an Audi A4 or Mercedes C-Class or a BMW 3 Series. They're basically, they all have the same specs. They're all, you know, high quality. They have the similar price. They're, all of that is pretty similar. Like if you would just rationally or objectively um, you know, try to choose the right product. However, you know, there's really people that would never go to buy a Mercedes because it's maybe they think it's it's more for old people or there's uh, never people that would go for a BMW because it's not comfortable for them enough for them as, as they believe. And so you really see in this market, um, similar to, to fashion and, and other markets, how um, branding and, and emotions play such an important role in, in decision-making. And so therefore, it was very clear for us from the start that we have to really focus on this. I think that the way we approached this is, was really that we said, okay, we have to, like good brands, they start, you know, um, with the why, then you think about the how and the what. And But we really, from the start, also for ourselves, needed this kind of emotional attraction of what we are doing really be emotionally attached to a bigger vision that we foresee and and so also for us internally um, and for our team we needed to to really focus on the emotional aspects of, of what we want to do and to to keep everyone super passionate and, and motivated to get the best product out there yeah i mean purpose seems to be big seems to play a big role for you i mean in some of the interviews you talk about uh, nationalism suvs uh climate change obviously is is that part of your conviction and part of how you how you communicate internally and also externally obviously yeah so we're really like as a company the way we we structured ourselves is that you know we have for example we have a clear vision that we we work towards to and from that vision we derive a certain mission and we also have clear for example cultural values that we have defined very early on i think probably most more early than than most other companies and that are still kind of the guiding force of for example how we hire how we behave internally for example since the second or third hire we have introduced a culture interview internally so everyone that is now in the company has been you know through this culture interview and basically also thereby kind of selected and made sure that there's a shared set of values. This really uh, enabled us as a, as a company and as a team to make sure that there everyone is aligned and that is, everyone is really working towards a bigger goal. And you can see that really also in our internal discussions. You know, for example, right now we're working hard on, on making the company um, emission-free. And this is really something maybe, you know, in some other companies that's maybe a marketing topic or something like this. But in our case, it's really people from accounting, from logistics, supply chain, from engineering. Everyone is involved and wants to to make, you know, change. And it's very passionate about these kind of topics because this is one of the reasons why they joined this company. I read somewhere that everyone in your team gets an Unu scooter. Is that correct? Yeah, that's something I think if you have a physical product, uh, you should definitely do just so that everyone is really, you know, uh, can experience actually what you were trying to achieve. It's quite funny. I just like a few days ago, uh, I met with one colleague with social distance, of course, and at times, um, but she just made her, uh, she just uh, finished her driving license. And so she was with us for over a year. Uh, actually over two years but didn't have a driving license so so she couldn't really experience it and now she's like you know driving a uh, riding around berlin every day and really can feel actually why we're doing this and and what's the bigger purpose here do you think this helps create super fans around the brand as well that um everyone in the company then probably is very passionate and truly believes in your mission we have done this from the very start and, you know, we, for most part of building this company, we have been not able to really pay up to market standards or 
Uh, we had also a lot of you know very tough times that we had to go through as a company. And I personally believe that if we wouldn't had everyone on our products, maybe people would have much earlier you know thought about I don't know joining another company or or you know not giving everything. But because everyone actually had this emotional attachment also to our product, I think uh, we were able to actually go through some of those hard times better. Yeah, makes sense. But what's the, the biggest challenge for you as a leader, also in terms of communicating with your team or the outside world? I had to learn a lot and I still have to learn a lot of stuff because I'm definitely not, I think, born for this. And also, for example, I mean, we have talked a lot about emotions, but I'm, I'm personally not the most emotional person, actually. I'm, I'm much more like a rationalist and try to understand everything very objectively. So even when it comes to emotions, I try to rationalize things, which is not probably the best thing. So therefore, it's good that I also had co-founders that have a different perspective on these things and also a team that has, I think, much more emotional intelligence than I do, for example. And is there a specific time where you face such a challenge? You, you, you mentioned you had some of that tough times as any entrepreneurial journey does, and there are always big learnings, obviously. What did you do as a leader when you were in such a tough spot? The thing that I've learned, I think, for myself is on the one hand side that Often it's important that, you know, obviously lead by example, you have to show that, you know, you would go the same way. I think your actions often are more important than what you communicate. Um, everyone can write a great email or give a great speech, um, but if not trustworthy, um, because people believe that you don't stand behind what you're saying, I think it's not worth anything. And so that, that is, I think, one, one key thing that you should always relate to. Another thing is, I think that there is not one, one leadership style that, that kind of fits everyone so you really i think have to understand yourself and what your personality is and then basically be really really authentic and you can say things like you know you're not sure that this is going to work out well because you're not maybe the born speech writer or giver um and and i think people will appreciate that more than if you try to uh, to be someone else that you're not so authenticity i think is very important then another thing i think is is also very important in communication to provide them with the same information that you have. So transparency in the sense that I've seen this several times now that, you know, there was different information in different parts of the team. Um, and therefore different team members had different opinions on a certain topic, obviously, but they, and thereby they expected you, I don't know, to take the decision to go left or right or whatever. And you knew, okay, if I go now left, you know, those people will have a tough time to understand this decision if I go right. Uh, will be the same. Um, but if you then, you know, really transparently communicate your decision making by saying, okay, look, you know, there's good reasons to go this way and there's good reasons to go that way. But given, you know, those and those reasons, I think we should go this way. And really also tell them that you understand that there, that other people might think, you know, a different way it helps everyone to much better than follow such a decision and, and act on it. Uh, than if you just communicate the, the end results. That's a good point. And, I mean, we're recording this in the second half of April and uh, also you, like anyone else at the moment, have faced some tough decisions. Could, could you walk us through and, and how did you communicate those to you? As you mentioned, it's an interesting time. Um, probably no one has been in, in a similar experience. And for us, this means now since I think four weeks now, we set or sent the entire team remote besides a few engineering roles that, that still need to access our, our laboratory. This is obviously a new communication challenge because uh, before we usually said, okay, you know, if there's a tough decision to make or something of, of major interest for the entire company or impact of the, for the entire company, 
we would try to get everyone in one big room. Um, you know, we would announce what we're going to do and, and then have a Q&A session or something like this. But I was always under the impression that the personal contact is really, really important and that you should never do something like this, you know, through a video call or, or telephone call or an email or something. Um, however, obviously, like, for example, one of the, the toughest topics um, that we face, I mean, we, as probably all companies, are now very much focusing on cutting costs, you know, keeping our cash and, and liquidity to make sure that we get through this time and have enough cash to then after it's start investing again. And so one of the, the, the big topics um, in our case was, for example, short-term work. We had to announce that we want to set around uh, 70 people of the team into short-term work and we had to do this via Zoom call. And so we took actually a week to prepare for it and really also try to make this communication super precise. And I think um, that went surprisingly well. Like I was personally super afraid, but actually it was really well perceived. We got a lot of positive feedback. We executed it really quickly. And actually I have the feeling that, for example, with this communication in the end, that more people feel engaged with the company because it was well communicated. It was really taking care of all the potential questions they might have. And then also following up very quickly on, on potential edge case questions, etc. So that actually right now, even though we took quite a hard measurement, everyone is, is pretty, uh, is really motivated. And it, yeah, it doesn't feel like it was such a tough decision as it was. It's really great to see that there's been, I guess, some kind of success come out of some difficult decisions. I was also curious, I imagine this isn't the first tough time you guys have gone through. And what I was particularly thinking of is a couple of years ago when, say, Coop and Emmy, the other electric scooters, started popping up in Berlin and definitely other cities where Unu is. Was that challenging for you guys? Because I know those were immensely popular and obviously there's very low risk in just you know, renting an e-scooter for a couple of hours or whatever, as opposed to really investing in one. And how did you guys come through that? always really close with these, these sharing operators so we've been you know in contact with emmy before they launched and the same goes for coop and it was at a time when we just started the the development of a, of the second product generation that actually actively decide to not for example um, sell the scooters of our first generation and to those operators because it was not really designed for sharing in the end what we saw is actually that the the popularity of scooter sharing um in, in these markets actually also drove our sales because people really experienced you know how much faster they are with an electric scooter how much fun it is how easy it is to drive how easy it is to park and and so actually the cities where there's scooter sharing are usually the cities where we have the lowest customer acquisition costs I wanted to ask about your personal brand. Is that something you're actively thinking about curating using in order to help the company? Because founders obviously have that potential. Um, so my personal approach here is really, I always just think about, okay, what is best for us as a company and, and for us as a team? And, and I would sacrifice, uh, you know, my personal well-being and my personal, um, I don't know, image if there's any to this because... And that's, that's my job, you know, uh, it's not my job to, to become the most popular, whatever. It's interesting that you see this more of a zero sum game rather than an opportunity to help the company, um, because a lot of founders use it. I mean, Tesla is doing exactly the opposite, obviously, you know, with, with Elon Musk becoming really, um, the, the kind of 
superstar that everyone is like uh, want to write articles about and and it helps a lot i think the, the, the tesla brand however i mean it's i think this is more like a personal top you know as i said like you have to find your own own way as i said as a child i was more of a shy guy and i would i just feel really awkward you know to be too much in the spotlight it just would feel odd to me um but you know for others it might be the right thing to do but for me personally it's it's not what is clear looking at your kind of CV is that uh, maybe personal branding is not like the top topic for you, but you've, you know, worked in London, Germany, Egypt, Shanghai, um, and back to Berlin, Germany. So you are definitely networking in a way that's unusual to other people and really gaining experience. Yeah, maybe that. I mean, but but that's not. I never did anything. I think of this to yeah, in terms of you know public branding or something like this. But maybe I mean maybe I change my perspective one day. But it's as I said, like I, I also developed myself. But so far, I I would not really have thought about this. Fair enough. I think your your product speaks for itself, obviously. And uh, I would never advise anyone to build a brand that's uncomfortable or doesn't feel authentic. But for someone like yourself, I could totally see you as the sort of the smart brains behind a great product and position yourself that way. And then that direction of thinking may be a, a strategy that could work well for you and, and for the company. Do you have a final piece of advice before we finish up today? Just stay yourself, stay healthy and, uh, yeah, and stay motivated. Excellent. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. 